Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. <sighs> we did it! I still can't believe we got this project done so fast and so well. When I'm in New York. I'm in Chicago. And I'm in L.A. But we're making it happen in Miro. Together. Our best work just happens faster on Miro's collaborative online whiteboard. No more scheduling meeting after meeting for work that could happen from anywhere. Whether it's getting design feedback here. Mapping timelines here or brainstorming next steps here. It all just happens on the Miro board. Exactly. And it's nice not having to wait an entire day to get sign-off from this guy. Hey! Well, it is true. See how Miro users save up to 80 hours every year by meeting less and doing more. Get on board at Miro.com. The first three boards are free forever. That's M-I-R-O.com. This is John Roca, one third of the Geek Buddies, with this awesome ad for you. If you like this show and you want to make your own, and some of you reached out and asked us about making your own podcast, well, let me tell you about Anchor. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And now you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. The possibilities are endless for what you can create, whether it's music analysis, your own radio show, or something the world's never heard before. Go ahead and let your freak flag fly. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many more places. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Take it from us here at the Geek Buddies. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Now, on with the Geek Buddies show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another brand new episode from the Geek Buddies. Hey! hey. <laughs> you usually come in so hot. You usually come in yeah. so hot. You came in just calm today. You came in no. nice and uh, nice and easy. I'm trying not to unstabilize you uh, because of your recent experiences. So I came in a little softer. Okay. Okay. More relaxed. I don't want to, you know. I don't want to hit the brown note. I just want to make sure we're clear, you know, in how I'm dealing with this. So I just want to throw it out there. Um, but yeah, we are back here this week. Thank you all so much for understanding why we had to delay uh, earlier this week our Doctor Strange. It was my fault. It was me. I had to go to the ER because I had some problems in my tum tums. It's fine. <sighs> all right. I guess we we settled that. <laughs> happened there but we will be back uh post we will be back friday night 5 p.m pt i think i'm dropping this in the morning so tonight 5 p.m pt you will see us uh live for the doctor strange spoiler review uh, all three of us hanging out and talking about it so certainly a divisive film even within the three of us so you're you're in for a heck of a conversation for sure 
So don't uh, miss out on that. Uh, but today we're talking about all kinds of things that are geeky. But let's introduce ourselves first. I am the outlaw, John Roca, writer, producer, and host here on the Outlaw Nation and the Geek Buddies. Mike? I am Michael Vogel. I'm a writer and producer of animated TV shows and movies and recent ER uh, visitor. Uh, this is Shannon McClung. I'm a television actor and an animation writer where you can currently see some of our stuff on Netflix, Strawberry Shortcake, Barry in the Big City. One of us uh, didn't have enough berries in his diet and he had to go oh. to the ER. Okay, that was not what it was. <laughs> Ate all the berries all day long. Too many berries. Anyway, just to get to the dingleberries. Anyway, we're going to talk about all kinds of things going on here. Um, certainly, there's been updates on the flat on Ezra Miller's situation as TMZ has dropped a video of him being arrested. We've also had trailers for Cobra Kai uh, and other trailers drop here that we're going to talk about. Also, uh, we got some news with the um, uh, publicity uh, machine that is now ramping up for Kenobi. They just had their London premiere, I believe. And uh, we're seeing um, Ewan McGregor and Hayden Christensen, along with Moses Ingram, doing the tours to promote this film. We're going to talk about that. And we've got some news on Fantastic Four. We know John Watts stepped away from directing the film a couple of weeks ago. So we are addressing some of the uh, stories that have come up, some of the rumors that we've heard from uh, certain sources about the possibilities of what's going to happen with Fantastic Four. That's our main topic. And for those of you who are new, thank you very much for joining us for the first time. For those of you who have come back to join us multiple times, thank you very much. The way it works is each of us brings up a Geek News item, and we take a break after we talk about them, and then we jump into our main topic, and our main topic will be Fantastic Four. Mike, I think you lead us off today. I do. Um, well, like John said, uh, the promotion uh, and marketing machine for Obi-Wan Kenobi is going strong. Uh, and if you have Twitter, you have seen a bajillion pictures of Ewan McGregor, Hayden Christensen, and Moses Ingram today as they've been going around promoting. And people basically freaking out seeing Hayden Christensen and Ewan McGregor together because, hey, it's Anakin and Obi-Wan. And even if you didn't love the prequels, you probably love Clone Wars. And at this point, you're just happy to see these two together. And we're all really excited to see what is about to happen with them. But it sounds like no one is as excited as Ewan McGregor. Um, as they were like being interviewed and they were talking, you know, he said that he had revisited the movies, the prequels. He hadn't watched them in a really long time. And just in preparation for the role, had revisited them. Hayden Christensen very uh, publicly didn't just revisit them, but revisited a lot of Clone Wars. So they've been doing their Star Wars homework. And uh, Ewan McGregor had this quote that everyone is uh, really talking about on Twitter where he says, you know, we made the prequels for kids. They weren't written very nicely about by the critics. And we now meet these people that really love our films, but it's taken 15 years for us to hear that. And it's really nice. Uh, it's changed my relationship with Star Wars. And so, you know, in your feel-good moment for the day, you kind of think back to how all these guys felt, uh, everyone working on the prequels, and myself included, uh, people maybe not receiving them in the best light. Um, and now that there's a whole generation of people that really do love the prequels and love these characters and are genuinely excited to see them get back together, it must feel really, really great for them. Uh, Ewan, uh, Ewan McGregor also said that he wished he had a dollar for every time someone has told him that he has the high ground because I think that he really would be a bajillionaire. Uh, so it's just kind of really nice, feel-good moment. I mean, particularly for Hayden Christensen, who probably got it the worst of anybody. Again, myself included. Um, but he just looks so happy to be back. So guys, what, what do you think about these two uh, running around promoting Obi-Wan Kenobi together? 
I mean, watching watching a little bit of that footage from I think they, I think it's when they were in London, right? Um, yeah. They they seem as sorry, you Berlin, said, Berlin. They're in Berlin. Oh, Berlin. Sorry, excuse sorry, me. Sorry about that. Um, uh, they they seem as you said. They seem so happy, and you know, promoting anything that you work on, a film, a television series, like that's that's part of the job. Like, and, and a lot of times in press junkets, you can see people kind of tired like they're they're so tired of having to answer the same three questions uh, the ben affleck ben affleck maybe <laughs> there there are there are many there are many folks um but to see just this enthusiasm and you know if you watch the behind the scenes on some of the prequels on the dvds before they made blu-rays kids um you know if you watch it you can see you and young young you and like he was very very uh jazz when they were doing that first duel uh the the darth maul qui-gon jen obi-wan duel like he he's falling down into a crash bag he's so excited and then by the end of episode three you can see he's kind of like oh last day of filming one tear (laughs) (laughs) and he talks about acting in front of a blue screen in front of a green screen and the challenges that are there and as a younger actor it's like look i mean george was george was innovating like he was doing things that we'd never seen before and he's like unfortunately it was really it was a it was a tougher experience for us and now you see that where technology has gotten where they are able to marry a lot of those tech a lot of that a lot of those techniques and it'll be how how much it helps how much it helps the performances and so, yeah yeah i was just gonna say i don't I, I i just got really excited when you said that because i just didn't think about it but like the difference for all of them for i mean you mcgregor particularly because he was talking about it but to go from being one of the first movies that was basically shot almost entirely on a green screen to then doing kenobi on the volume uh, you know, which is like this entire leap in the way that you do these effects where the actors really do get to interact with their environment more. Like it just must have been amazing, like such an yeah. amazing experience. Yeah, I mean, kind of a kind of a night and day. And, and as you said, like he was there at the beginning and he's here at this first step of this new technology. And again, like I love the fact that Hayden Christensen is dressed all in black. <laughs> I was like, it, despite having this very warm smile on his face, but you know, he's he's really kind of leaning into the Vader of it all. It was just really nice to see, and I and I'm crossing my fingers that the uh, the series delivers. Yeah, I mean, it's great to see um, uh, people back, people being in essence redeemed by the fans who loved it when they were kids. I don't know that uh, you know a lot of people have been like. I don't know if it was made for kids with that confusing trade federation politics type stuff and the fact that he was cutting up some younglings uh, a little bit later on in the series. So this idea that it was made just for kids is a bit of um, retrofitting going on there and how they're presenting this. Were kids an element of it? Yeah, sure. But it wasn't the only elements. But that being said, and I do and I don't think it was just the critics who were bashing these movies. Regular people were going to see these films were not critics and not liking these films because it didn't work for them. They wanted the original trilogy, that vibe, that feeling, and I don't think those films capture it, and I still don't think those films capture I'm not a Phantom Menace. I cannot get through Phantom Menace. It is just not for me. Attack of the Clones, I have a little more leniency for, and certainly uh, um, uh, Revenge of the Sith, I have more leniency for, but I do not for Phantom Menace. I just can't get through those first 30 to 45 minutes uh, in my I'm own. literally the opposite of you. Yeah, I know. Uh, I know. Me too. Yeah. Me too. I love the, the first 30 yeah. minutes of Phantom I think, Menace. I think have that, softer hearts that I do. I think, I, think, I, think, I think Attack of the Clones is the worst. Agreed. Then Revenge of the Sith. 
Yeah. Then Revenge of the Sith. And I think Phantom Menace is the best of the three. That's insane to me. Jar Jar is in Phantom Menace, but whatever. Uh, I, I tried watching it uh, when we were on vacation a few months ago, and I, I literally was banging my head against the wall for the first 45 minutes. It's just so ridiculous. But that being said, it does not mean that they can't be redeemed because the kids who were then watching those films grew up as their – that was their Star Wars. Yeah. Them now being uh, of age in their 20s or 30s, these are the people that are now 100% being the loud voices in the room. Uh, to uh, reappreciate the prequels, and certainly that's happening in Star Wars Celebration. They are doing panels on the music and the film itself of Attack of the Clones. They are spending a lot of time on Attack of the Clones on the 20th anniversary of that movie. Those panels just got released a few days ago, and they're they're very much focusing on Attack of the Clones. And uh, Ewan McGregor is going to be there, and his he's his autograph signing is already sold out. It was three hundred dollars a pop to get an autograph Ooh, and picture wow. with Ewan McGregor, and it's sold out already. Uh, so that tells you people are excited to see this back. But as you said, Michael, Hayden Christensen is the one you focus on here. Uh, Ahmad Best had his um, uh, reappreciation by the fandom. He, he did a one-man show. He spoke about the uh, suicidal stuff that he went through and had to kind of overcome because of the negative shots taken at him playing uh, uh, Jar Jar Binks. Jake Lloyd certainly has had his terrible run-ins with the law and what have you because of the reactions to it. But Hayden kind of disappeared as an actor, and he had – done a couple of things glass house i think it's oh no house floor house on the floor whatever it's called and then shattered glass i think it is glass house actually okay and and then shattered glass i mean those things kind of showed you that hayden could have a real career uh, on the independent side of things and he took a chance on a big franchise and why wouldn't you the money and all but you don't know that it's going to turn out to be something that you get ridiculed for for a large majority of your time after the movie so now seeing him getting to enjoy it again, getting to be beloved by the fans, getting to be appreciated for what he did. It all just adds to the uh, to the joy of this all, and you love it. Star Wars is all about redemption, so it makes all the sense in the world that all the people involved in the prequels now are going to be redeemed. And one last thing, we saw Natalie Portman come back to Thor so after not having a great experience. So the possibilities could exist with flashbacks of Natalie Portman in a season two of Kenobi as Padme or something there are possibilities. So to me, that's a good thing overall as well, because she also talked about how she went through some real tough emotional feelings about the prequels and questioning her career in Hollywood for a long time because of the reaction to those prequels. Mm-hmm. So this is all positive. And like Shannon says, I hope the series is worth it to redeem everybody involved uh, for sure. I'm just yeah. thinking about those Padme flashbacks where she's rocking her Thor guns. <laughs> <laughs> What do you want, Anakin? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe they'll find out a better a better way to have her pass away. Maybe there's a whole other thing involved in that. Um, uh, all right, Michael, anything else to add to this? Uh, no, just that uh, you know, it's in in a uh, in a fandom that oftentimes is uh, challenging and angry. <laughs> Um, it's, uh, it's always nice when you have a, a Star Wars day where everybody just seems to be in a good mood and happy. And these two guys, uh, have put everybody in a good mood. And like you said, I hope that that good mood continues yeah. through the run of Kenobi. Yeah. Um, and one last thing Hayden Christian said, uh, for, according to Total Film, we're more in line with the prequels than we are with how the fights are in the original trilogy. These characters have aged, but not that much yet. And Deborah Chow said that she is teasing this series as a dark time to be a Jedi. So 
kind of countering what we're getting with the High Republic. This is a dark time as opposed to a great time to be a Jedi as it is in the High Republic. So fascinating. There is uh, just really, I mean, there is yeah. like, I mean, there's been a lot of articles about, you know, I mean, in a lot of ways, this era of Star Wars that we're getting into is kind of the best and most interesting part. Like we have the prequels that kind of get you right up to the Empire taking over. Like, you know, yeah. Revenge of the Sith ends with the Empire being like, all right, we did it. It's us guys. And then by the time you get to A New Hope, you are well into, well, the rebellion has risen. The rebellion is ready to fight back. But this about 20 years of Star Wars, where Star Wars Rebels takes place, where Solo takes place, where Rogue One takes place at the very end of, and now with Kenobi, with Jedi Fallen Order, like, yeah, it's a shitty time to be a Jedi as the Empire is rising up, but seeing the Empire at full power and seeing these Jedi just having to hide in the shadows and those sparks of rebellion that are happening, Bad Batch takes place during this time, like, yeah. all of these shows, like, it... It's a it's an era of Star Wars that we all kind of know what happens, yeah. but it's really really interesting. Like this is this is the good stuff. So uh, yeah, I mean, I just hope that again, I hope Kenobi does really well because I'm very interested and excited for us to hopefully see more stuff in this era, even as we continue on uh, and see what's happening post Jedi and then post new trilogy. Yeah, 100% agree with you, brother. All right, let's move on to something a little less enjoyable to talk about, and that is, uh, sadly, Ezra Miller. Um, TMZ Today posted video of Ezra Miller as he was aggressive with the cops during his arrest in Hawaii. He was yelling for their badge numbers uh, and giving a really weird reason uh, for why they were recording these incidences. And, of course, this happened back in March on the Big Island. And in the video, you see the the police uh, men asking questions of uh, Ezra Miller inside the bar. This is about almost a four-minute video that you see if you, if you all haven't watched it yet. Uh, and one of Ezra's victims uh, alleged that Ezra attacked him, spat in his face, and went nuts. When the cops questioned Ezra, they claim he got assaulted and started filming because I film myself when I get assaulted for NFT crypto art. Wow, NFT has completely crested at this point. Um, Ezra raises their voices. They demand names and badge numbers from the officers, but the police ignore them and they go back to the alleged victim who claims he was playing darts and minding his own business when, when Ezra just came up and spat on him. Uh, and once Ezra understands that he's the one being busted, they ask why and again repeat their claim that they were the one who was assaulted. And I'm saying that they because that's how Ezra Miller identifies it with the pronouns. Ezra also tells police they were complying, but they tell them they weren't. And when Ezra asks what they did wrong, they tell them they're getting cuffed because they allegedly spit in someone's face. Then Ezra's claims escalate. They say their alleged attacker declared themselves a Nazi, and then they bring up Judaism. So naturally, of course, the Nazis are going to come into a situation like this. And, uh, you know, obviously Ezra had other um, incidents and other run-ins with the police while he was there in Hawaii. And I think uh, uh, there was even a quote about him with his flash ring saying, don't take it, that's a very important thing to me. So... This is a uh, really, really troublesome to see the video now. You know, things when we talk about and see it in, in, in the newspaper or online or whatever in, in an article, it's not as powerful as when you see the video. When you see the video, you see someone who's got some, I don't know, such some real stuff to work out here. And it looks like this is just a person who doesn't understand where they are in their lives as an actor and the opportunities that they have. And something else is just going on for him. And I can't imagine this situation continuing with Warner Brothers now uh, with Ezra Miller. And there have been rumors online that Dylan O'Brien, and it's not confirmed, but there have been rumors floated that Dylan O'Brien is a possibility. So, gentlemen, what are your thoughts on this video? What are your thoughts on Ezra Miller here continuing his flash? And 
What do you see WB doing? Is the uh, uh, Dylan O'Brien possibility going to become real as we go along? I mean, it's a really, um, it's a really unfortunate, sad thing to watch. Um, because as you said, John, I mean, this is an individual who is clearly uh, battling some demons. Yeah. Um, just as Ezra's yelling for their names and badge numbers, like you can, you can hear sort of someone, someone that's not someone that's not in charge of all of their mental faculties perhaps and the moment where the police officer does does have the flash ring and you hear Ezra say like that that you know that means a lot to me that means a lot to me and it's like man I really I wish you'd thought of that before because again you know we're watching we're watching a a a moment in time so there's plenty of things we don't know that surround it but when you have this many incidences involving yeah. one individual where there's smoke, there's fire. And there, and it seems like there's been smoke around Ezra Miller for a little bit. I mean, and in terms of Dylan O'Brien, he's a terrific, terrific young actor. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he was in the last, this last season of Curb Your Enthusiasm. Oh my God. was yes. very, very funny. Yes. Um, has, you know, ha- has done some, you know, more of those physical action-y roles in the past great performer um in terms of how they would use him mm-hmm. i mean you know we were t- i think we were talking about this a few weeks ago it's like well there's no way that they can yeah. recast the lead of your movie and and completely redo it but at this point it's like i don't know maybe they maybe they do i mean especially considering um you know we're, we're it's it's supposed to come out in june i think i mean yeah. we're we're plenty of time away that Ezra could get in trouble again. And maybe this is the time to cut bait. I mean, but again, having to basically make a movie all over from scratch. I mean, they have done that in the past, um, a a large chunk, but from, you know, day one, having to start over, that's, that's a, uh, that's a mind boggling proposition to think about. But at this point, maybe nothing's off the table. Yeah. I mean, uh, Michael, look, I mean, they, they were shouting about their Ninth Amendment rights, their Fourth Amendment rights. Uh, they claim that they have video of this person calling themselves a Nazi. Uh, so his, uh, their, sorry, their Judaism came into the reaction here. Um, so, I mean, what do you take from this? And as Shannon said, I mean, I, I, you as an executive, you've been a showrunner, or you are a showrunner, Michael. The balance of do I start, do we start over? Because we're going to lose so much money from people going to see it, or do they think? It's not that big of a deal because people are going to make a big deal about it, but people aren't really going to care. They're going to come to see the DC uh, characters anyway. What do you think? No, about all I think it was weird. It was uh, about, uh, I think it was about when the rumors came out about them actually considering recasting. You could mm. see on Twitter, uh, there's just, there's been a shift. Like there's mm. been a shift. Like there's okay. a, there was a, you know, whether, whether it was that, that video that surfaced of him, choking out that girl in Iceland or Norway or wherever it was. Um, That weird video that then kind of disappeared. Like, like there was like the first couple you're like, Oh yeah, this is a problem, but they kind of, it kind of disappeared. It kind of went away. We're like, all right, well maybe, maybe it was a isolated incident, whatever. Then he got to Hawaii and it just feels, or I'm sorry, they got to Hawaii and it just feels like they just keep running into the same problem. And I don't know, if it's a substance abuse thing, I don't know. Like, I don't know what it is that they're dealing with, but 
it's very clear there's something going on and you know just to watch the video like you guys said yes it is very sad but you also watch the video and you're like yes i live in los angeles and i have seen people do this lots of times and mm -hmm. those people are usually in the wrong and those people are usually spouting a bunch of stuff that you're like yeah you're just you're just spouting a bunch of stuff and so i wasn't there i don't know but at this point it really does seem like they have the they they have an issue that's not going to get resolved, and I do think that there, like I said, there's this shift where Warner Brothers is. They're in an interesting spot because yeah. if it was just a Flash movie, uh, you kind of go, okay, well, let's 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 have this come out, and if it tanks because of him, uh, because of Ezra, because of them, because we'll recast it in the next one or whatever. But this is also the movie where you're sort of relaunching Michael Keaton as yeah. Batman. And there's so much excitement about that. Uh, yeah, there's so much excitement about Batman and Keaton's return and Supergirl. And there's all of these things happening that this movie, Flashpoint, as we've talked about, is kind of potentially a turning point for the DCU. Like, this is going to go in that direction. And so, you know, they're all sitting there and they're like, about Ezra, they're like, if, if they're going to keep doing this, if they're going to keep causing these problems, like it might be in their best interest to reshoot. Yeah, It might be in their best interest, despite the cost and just the nightmare that that opens up. It might be, there's too much writing on this movie for DC to not do it. If it was just, okay, if, cause it's not that Ezra Miller might just mess up their franchise. It's that they might mess up <laughs> the entire movie that's supposed to get the DCU back on track. I mean, you're not wrong, Mike. I mean, like you said, living in L.A., we've seen those usually anywhere. I think anywhere you see someone spouting their amendment rights uh, uh, while they're being arrested by the police and citing multiple amendments. Um, and not saying that they don't violate amendments. I'm sure there have been incidences where the police do. But someone who's famous like this, um, they tend not to violate those uh, amendments uh, and those rights because of the spotlight that would be on them for doing so. So when you're seeing someone act like this, you, you really start to be like, they've gone off yeah. a bit of, a, of the rails, you know, and we've seen Randy Quaid, you know, fully go off the rails. We've seen a number of, uh, you know, celebrities kind of go off the rails with their videos and with their conversations, you know, Sorbo, all these people, Dean Cain, sadly, we've seen this. And so we know what it looks like. And you're looking in this situation, clearly this is a very troubled person uh, and they need to kind of deal with what's happening here because, in the end, this could be something that affects their career for a long time, not just currently with these two massive franchises with Fantastic Beasts and wow. uh, and DC. So, I mean, fortunately, <laughs> fortunately for Ezra, Fantastic Beasts isn't their fault. Well, fair enough, it isn't their fault. That's true. <laughs> uh, but I mean, this could cost their place in these franchises, and, and that's money. You know what I'm saying? That's a lot of money that's going out of your bank account that could be in your bank account, and and that's unfortunate uh, for their the overall future. Uh, but more importantly, it's their mental health. And so hopefully this is a wake-up call to people who are around uh, Ezra that uh, they need to take a little more active approach to making sure they are being taken care of, they are being uh, um, uh, analyzed, they are being uh, kind of helped uh, into a recovery in some way to come out of this. Because I think that's how you avoid the negative press is you convince Ezra to go into therapy. Ezra issues a statement of apology a statement of ex explanation, a statement, all this kind of stuff. And then you see Ezra go into a treatment facility and then deliver interviews afterwards. 
of what they experienced and what they went through and what was going on with them. And then the public is more, you know, I think the public can be more forgiving when that happens um, uh, because he didn't, you know, we didn't, there's no video of him assaulting people. I think if there's a video of him throwing a chair at a woman, there's video of him, you know, spitting on this person. Then if those videos start to come out, I think that's a, that's a tough thing to be redeemed from. But I think for now where he's at, where they're at now, the best thing is just to get the therapy uh, because and I, if I was WB, I'd be all about making that happen. That's that's how you yeah. save this whole thing because the other side is so expensive to read. That's millions and millions of dollars. Um, unless we've got the technology to digitally replace his face with Dylan O'Brien's face in just about every scene. Uh, I, don't, I, I don't know. W, WB has a bad history of replacing people's faces <laughs> in their DC movies. So maybe that's maybe that's not the direction they should go. Look at my mustache. <laughs> ah, great point. Great point. Um, uh, all right. So we'll see what happens uh, in this situation. We'll keep tabs on it. And of course, I think all of us hope, you know, they get the, the help that they need. So, um, all right. Uh, Shannon, take us away into trailers, my man. With trailers, trailers, trailers. We got three trailers that I said, only two trailers that we're going to watch, but one of them is a trailer for a movie that people have been waiting uh, 13 years for. So they get two trailers for that. So we're not going to talk about that one first. First, we're going to talk about the first look at uh, season five of Cobra Kai on Netflix. So look, people, (laughs) people love this show. Yes, they do, Shannon. People love this show. I do not love this show, but my wife and I will watch every single season and we will blow through it fast, rolling our eyes a lot of the time. (laughs) But the show is so successful. And where we left off in season four with the crease being framed for a crime and Terry Silver is taking over Cobra Kai, he's taking over the dojo. This trailer, to me, this trailer is absolutely ridiculous. But it was fun to watch as well. The melodrama is just through the roof. (laughs) Um, And watching Daniel kind of throw the, uh, close the doors of Miyagi-Do. Chosen from Karate Kid Part 2 is coming back. He's gasoline. Gentlemen, what did you all think of our first look at Cobra Kai Season 5? Well, I'm like super behind. Like I'm in season oh. two of Cobra Kai somewhere. What? But no, I know, I know. It's just it was a show that. I, but but I watched Spoiler, the trailer. It's no, no, no. I watched the trailer. I've seen the trailer for all the seasons. I kind of know where things are going. And also to your point, with a show like Cobra Kai, it's not like you spoiled Ozark for me. Like this is a show. And and I don't mean to, like I think you're right. Like I think the eye roll is part of what people love about it. I think the melodrama is part of what people love about it. My brother and I were watching season one and I was like, this is bonkers. This is insane, but, <laughs> it's, it's, it, is, but it is tickling every single one of my 80s <laughs> nostalgia itches. Yeah. And it's great and it's super fun. And I think that they intentionally are leaning into it's soap opera, it's comic book, it's these huge twisting weaving stories and characters from the past show up and you're like and you, and it's stupid how they show up and it kind of is just ridiculous but you don't care cuz you're glad they showed up and they've just sort of nailed this formula yeah. and to your point it is super bite-sized you can binge a season in a day and you're like that was great when do i get more it is it is like eating a chocolate cake 
all by yourself. You don't do it every day, but if it's coming out once a year, you have that one day of the year where you're like, fuck it, I'm gonna eat this whole chocolate cake myself. And And that's what Cobra Kai is. And for our audience, Michael Vogel has basically admitted once a year he will eat an entire chocolate cake by himself. I'm starting to understand what happened on the, on Monday night. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, but I agree with my two esteemed colleagues here. It is as Michael will attest to you. I can get through an entertainment weekly in one sitting in the bathroom. So to me, that's what Cobra Kai is like. It's an entertainment weekly sitting in the bathroom type thing i get through a quick i finish cobra kai in an afternoon always it's now start at one o'clock i'm done by four it's not that difficult of a show to grasp you can stare at your phone there's not really a lot of mental energy that's required the actors try to tell you that the show is much more deeper than it actually is but it isn't and i imagine the creators understand that and as michael said so astutely they figured out the formula to make it work for people to come and see it in mass and enjoy the people coming back from the past. Enjoy the way they've kind of made these storylines work and the way they've redeemed a lot of these actors that we haven't seen in a long yeah. time. I like William Zabka, like the whole Karate Kid, or the whole Cobra Kai crew. Um, and, and then Thomas Ian Griffith last season, bringing him back uh, into the fold here and giving him some really good acting moments to play opposite Martin Cove, who I also haven't seen in a long time. Uh, and there are a lot of rumors uh, that in the new season, or in the last season, we will see Hillary Swank come back to be uh, to reprise what she did in the next Karate Kid, which would be a lot of fun, I think, and a great way to kind of like wrap the boat. We just talked yeah. about Hayden Christensen getting redeemed and everyone in the prequels getting redeemed. Well, I mean, it's not the most well-liked Karate Kid movie, either Karate Kid 3 or the next Karate Kid. So seeing them all being redeemed here in this process is a positive thing. I love the trailer. I thought it was bonkers in the right way. I love I love that Miguel is doing MMA in Mexico. It's so <laughs> getting, I do getting involved with the cartel. Um, but there's also this idea of Johnny and uh, uh, is it uh, Danny? Is that his son's name coming back? To, or Terry, right? Oh no, Johnny. That's whatever yeah. his name is. His son's name. Them coming together to try to get Miguel. What that's all about. But you see also Peyton List now questioning whether she legitimately won that trophy. And then you see uh, um, uh, uh, Larusso's uh, Samantha. Samantha Russo kind of doing her training to figure out what she's going to do, how much better she wants to be as a karate kid. So just a lot here to enjoy and explore. And of course, chosen saying he's going to be the gasoline that Terry Terry's fire is Terry Silver's fire is just brilliant. So chosen versus Terry Silver. That's a main event. I didn't know I wanted to see till that moment happened in the trailer. So I'm down and I liked what I saw. Sorry, Mikey, what were you going to say? No, I was going to say, like, just to be clear, like, just because something is over the top and melodramatic and ridiculous doesn't mean, kind of to your what you're saying about the actors, that they're kind of telling us, like, what they're telling yeah. works. Like, it it does hit a nerve with people. Like, just because you're, like, we're telling a story about fathers and sons or being redeemed or, you know, t- changing your life or your enemy becomes your friend, and yeah. just because you're telling it in the most over the top way possible doesn't mean that there's not still some like really strong messages underneath there that really hit people and i think that the show is fun and silly and melodramatic which is true but i think it like people dig it like people get into it except for shannon (laughs) messages that hit people like a crane kick (laughs) we're gonna (laughs) we're gonna get to watch cobra kai season five on netflix starting september 9th Oh. So on to our next trailer, which Mr. Roca is 
so excited for. We have the first uh, glimpse of Avatar, the sequel to Avatar, Avatar The Way of Water. So, look, I mean, the first Avatar came out in 2009, revolutionized 3D cinema, kind of in a bad way, because you had a lot of cheap imitators and a lot of bad 3D experiences. Um, And, you know, we knew these movies were coming for a while, because first it was going to be Avatar 2, then it was going to be a trilogy, then it was going to be Avatar 4, now it's Avatar 5, I think. And originally it was supposed to come out in 2021 because of COVID, it got pushed to 2022. So after 14 years, we're going to get to return to Pandora and to see what all of our Navi friends have been up to. Um, The trailer is gorgeous. Mm. Uh, You know, in terms of the story, like we hear, it's going to be about Jake's kids um, and the the oceans of Pandora. But I'll throw it to you guys first, because I think uh, especially (laughs) Mr. Roca, he is just going to be glowing about this trailer what did we think about our first look at avatar the way of water i mean it was great to see it at CinemaCon. that's where we got to see it the first time with uh, 3d glasses and then before the doctor strange screening that we had here in san diego they had uh uh, they showed us the trailer uh, in 3d again and i thought it was going to be a longer trailer but it is just a one minute teaser trailer to get you excited to be back in the world and everything James Cameron promised was there on the screen in that one minute. The it, more time with the Navi, more characters coming in. Uh, the underwater sequences are gorgeous, uh, and everything that was going on, we didn't see any. I think we only saw two or three humans, and if we did, they were in the world of the Navi, not necessarily not in the outside world. So I like that we got really kind of introduced back to the world of Pandora and where we might be going because he promised new planets, new worlds, new interactions all of that happening here and what a cast here for this uh film with zoe zaldana and uh, um sam worthington coming back you also have michelle yao kate winslet sigourney weaver Giovanna rebisi coming back as well uh jermaine clement's going to be a part of this Stephen lang is coming back cliff curtis edie falco cch pounder it's a heck of a cast so clearly that seems like they're telling an even stronger story than they told the first time and a lot of people complaining about that first movie now and I saw a lot of people on social media, oh, I'm not going to, oh, this movie did nothing, or this trailer did nothing for me. Meanwhile, the trailer broke records for how many, 148 million views in 24 hours on that trailer. So for all you people saying, oh, it doesn't work for me, you're all going to be in the motherfucking theater on opening night seeing this movie. So kiss my ass with that trying to be cool response. So to me, this totally worked. I wasn't sure, and I'm not the greatest fan of the original Avatar but I do like the message of the movie. And I do like a lot of the special effects, as Shannon said, that were terribly done in, in other uh, films. Uh, it really works in Avatar and it still holds up. And they're going to re-release Avatar, uh, I think, in de- anticipation for this movie in IMAX with a remastered version coming out for people to enjoy. So, hey, Cameron's going to make his money on this. And, and I think this was a nice way to get people back into the world without showing you too much of the story but showing you the um, what he's going to do with this 3D technology uh, overall. Uh, Mike? Look, I unapologetically yes. love the first Avatar movie. Me too. Yeah, you do. I can watch it. You put that movie on. You can put the first two minutes on. You can put the last 20 minutes on. I'll sit there and watch the rest of it, no matter what part of that movie <laughs> is at. I love it. I do. I think that it is Dances with Wolves meets Ferngully, The Last Rainforest meets the Smurfs meets whatever else everybody else says yes i do i think it is do i think it's great yes i do i think it is i love it 
There are there are dragons fighting helicopters, and I am in. So I love this movie. So I've always been excited. I think when we were talking about the movies that we're most excited about for this year, like this was one of the ones that I was like, I'm in. But the other reason I'm in, and I, you know, I was saying this on Twitter, and I kind of say it all the time, like, you know, we talk a lot about Marvel uh, is the track record that you want in Hollywood, or Pixar has that perfect track record, and neither one of them have a perfect track record. The one entity in Hollywood that has basically a perfect track record aside from his very first movie is James Cameron. Mm. Like you do not vote against James Cameron. James Cameron is going to have a movie come out. And if history is any indication, it is going to be a beast. I mean, this is also the guy, you know, this is his big sequel. This is the guy that created, wrote and directed two of the greatest sequels of all time in film history. Aliens and Terminator 2 are hands down, if you're going to talk about greatest sequels that arguably surpass the originals, those are two of the top ones that you're going to come up with. So James Cameron making a sequel to one of the biggest movies that he's made, I'm like, yep, I'm not going to say no to him. I'm in. Um, And I do think also one thing that was kind of neat for me is if you have gone to Animal Kingdom and you have ridden the ride in Pandora, Flight of Passage, uh, you see a lot of water stuff that you did not see in the first Pandora movie. You you kind of fly over the water. You see some things happening. And so watching this trailer, I was like, oh, they knew what they were doing. And that ride at Pandora is giving you a little bit of Avatar 2 that you didn't know you were getting. So I kind of feel like that's like the teaser trailer to the trailer that I got when I was riding the ride. I was like, (laughs) okay, cool. Um, so yeah, I'm stoked. I can't wait. I'm in. I will be there opening night. And for all you people that are like, oh, the special effects look good, but I didn't like the story of Avatar. I like it all. Unobtainium, stupid name. Love it. Don't care. <laughs> That's what I have to say. <laughs> well, I don't think we can say it any better than that. Nope. Avatar, <laughs> The Way of Water is coming out December 16th. Wait, wait, wait. Cal, op- you, don't, you don't get to get away. What did you think about it? You didn't say what your thoughts were about it. What did you think? I, I did. I, th- I thought it's okay. it's an incredible looking. I thought it was incredible looking. Okay. I'm really curious about how how Jake and Tiri have have kids because there's clearly a a young human there. Yeah. Um. Uh, I I'm my guess is that he's not part Navi. That he's maybe related to one of the humans that we left behind. Mm. Um. But also seeing uh the the uh, progression of the uh the folks there for the unobtainium i mean that looks like a city and it's been a long time since i've seen avatar so i don't know if there were other outposts on pandora but it looks like they have not slowed down yeah no 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 i don't think that's what what that like i don't look i think that's earth wrong no no no. i think that is i think that is pandora but based on the end of avatar and a little bit of the context of what you get when you go to animal kingdom I think that the humans that are remaining on Pandora are working with the Navi. They are no longer mining unobtainium. They are they are very uh, like at peace with the Navi. I don't think that there is now a humans versus that. Now I do think, particularly if Giovanni Ribisi is in the movie, which we said like I think maybe humans are going to come back with a vengeance, or the bad humans will. But I think that there's going to be humans on both sides. And I think now I could be completely wrong about that because it was a teaser, and God knows I've been wrong about teasers before, but. I think that what I was looking at were Navi and humans kind of working side by side. The side by side, the literal side by side that we do see in the trailer, I'm pretty sure that's a bad Navi. I'm I'm thinking that's an avatar. Mm. 
but I could be wrong as well. I've been wrong about teasers as well. But either way, we will find out on December 16th. Oof. It doesn't feel like it's right around the corner, but then again, it does feel like it's right around the corner. It's kind of crazy how We're in summer is... movie time right now. Yeah, I like... know. Time is weird uh, in our worlds now ever since COVID. Uh, anyway, let's take a quick break. Uh, thank you uh, to these two gentlemen and uh, to everyone who was watching the first part of the show. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to jump into our uh, main main topic here, which is some updates on Fantastic Four and our thoughts on everything that's going around and all the rumors that are going around around Fantastic Four. We'll be right back right after this. Do, 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 that's good commitment. We haven't had that in a while from Shannon. I have to say, that's some good... I, uh, I was curious what you were going to do. And I think, uh, all right, all right. All I right. mean, at the beginning, wow. as we were talking, I literally Googled songs with fantastic in the title <laughs> and songs with four in the title and nothing that I could hum. So I was like, all right, back to the MCU theme. It is. So all right. It works. It works. Um, <laughs> so... Let's talk about it. A couple of weeks ago, um, uh, after we had done our last, after we'd done our previous show, uh, uh, John Watts stepped down as um, uh, the director for Fantastic Four, which was a bit of a shock. Uh, Deadline reported this. Mike Fleming Jr. Uh, said it as an exclusive, <clears throat> and Watts just, according to him, it was nothing sinister. It's just that Watts needed a break from the superhero realm after completing the Spider-Man trilogy with Tom Holland and Zendaya. Almost immediately, people were wondering, well, what does this mean? The Fantastic Four franchise is snake bit because the previous two iterations really didn't work. And we've seen, and now uh, I, I've seen this a rumor pop up on um, a Reddit chant from some people who are credible in how they break uh, some stories and have been correct in the past, um, mentioning that Bryce Dallas Howard might be a director they're looking at to step in and take over for John Watts uh, in this situation. And, uh, uh, you know, people have been loving what she did in the Mandalorian uh, seasons and have enjoyed her as a director. Um, and and I wonder if this is maybe the next step they're going to go and hand her the reins. Certainly she has a father who's not familiar or not unfamiliar with stepping into a franchise as he did with Solo. Uh, so this could be a very interesting turn. But what do you all think overall here about John Watts stepping away from? Do you buy the reasons? Do you understand the reasons? And second, who do you see stepping in? And what do you want to see now going forward with this Fantastic Four situation? I throw it to you guys. So I think first off, we should say we might get into spoilers for Doctor Strange. So Fair if enough. you have not yeah. seen Doctor Strange in the multiverse, multiverse of madness, maybe uh, skip to the end. Yep. Um, so in terms of him stepping away, I mean he did such a fantastic job on the Spider-Man movies. I think the initial uh, reaction that I had was just gloom and doom. Like, Oh no, yeah. what happened? He was going to do such a great job. But then you look at the frequency that um, the Spider-Man movies came out. I want to, was it 2017, 2019? And originally uh, no way home was supposed to come out in 2021. And it ended up coming out in 2022 or no, no way. Did it come out in 2021? Um, so that's a, Churning out a big superhero movie every two years like that, that is a gargantuan undertaking. Seven so, years. He worked on those films for seven years. Yeah, it's a great point, Shannon. Three yeah. movies in seven years. Like, yeah. that's that's a long time. So just in terms of uh, workload, you could see, like, yeah, John Watts 
maybe he wants to take a vacation as a storyteller who's now afforded a lot of opportunities because of his work on Spider-Man. Maybe he wants to, maybe he wants to do a smaller movie. Maybe he wants to do about a movie about two people talking in a coffee shop. <laughs> um, so that's not a surprise. And especially with the, I mean, unconfirmed, but they say there's going to be more Tom Holland, Spider-Man. My guess is they probably want him back. Yeah. And so give him the time off that he wants hand the reins to Fantastic Four to someone else, let him recharge his batteries so he can come back and churn out another great Spidey trilogy. Now, in like the moment that had happened, I mean, rumors were popping up on, on Twitter right away. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, he's not doing it because John Krasinski, who we found out in Doctor Strange, plays yeah. the 838 version of Reed Richards. John Krasinski's going to be Mr. Fantastic and he's going to direct. And that plan makes total sense that you know the you know he was not in a quiet place part two but he was the director but he also you know he directed the first one and starred in it that sounds like a solid plan but again i think directing a gigantic movie like fantastic four is probably going to be and starring in it again that seems like a pretty big undertaking um so now that the rumors that bryce dallas howard is going to step in as director potentially as invisible woman like that's that's popped up um that one i don't necessarily see but the idea that she's going to be behind the camera for a john krasinski led fantastic four movie i'm like that is awesome like that 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 to me sounds like a winning formula um her work in the mandalorian and also in the book of boba fett i mean she yeah. directed one of the best episodes of book of boba fett and they really have boba fett in it but you know whatever real yeah but yeah i mean but she did turn in she turned out some incredible incredible work and this seems like a natural next step for a uh for a director on the rise like bryce tallis howard i mean i think if this if this does come out to be true and you know what are what is it may 12th as of this recording this yeah. seems like a great comic-con announcement to <laughs> to bring out your cast for fantastic four with their director bryce dallas howard yeah i mean and and um moonlight moon Knight's uh, head writer here jeremy slater michael uh, has revealed that producers grant curtis and nick pepin will so serve as producers on marvel studios fantastic four so mm -hmm. Do they get to choose the director? Do you think? Do you think they work no. in tandem with the with Feige to pick a director, or how do you think this goes about? I mean, I don't think they get to choose. <laughs> I think they probably do work with the bigger Marvel team and whatever. But mm -hmm. I think that you know, you're. I think the Marvel who's directing a Marvel movie probably happens at the very top, and then everyone else is there to uh, assist and make sure everything goes as swimmingly as possible. Yeah. You know, I, uh, I I do agree with Shannon that I think that I believe. The John Watts stuff. I don't think that there's any kind of like, oh God, this Fantastic Four movie is going to be a disaster. Get me out of here. I think dude was tired. Dude yeah. delivered. Dude delivered big time for us and deserves a break. So I think that, uh, you know, doing doing any kind of movie for, like you guys said, seven years or movie franchise for seven years in a row, 
is a big undertaking, but you think about how much he tackled in No Way Home, mm. and you're just like, yeah, man, I get it. Yeah, you, like I, I, you probably do want to go do your coffee shop movie, and more power to you. Like, take a minute, go, go, go on location at uh in some small town, and just not have to worry about any special effects. Sounds <laughs> sounds great. Sounds amazing. Um, and, you know, like we talked about when we were doing our Mandalorian reviews, as far as I'm concerned, Bryce Dallas Howard can go direct any... Bryce Dallas Howard, Deborah Chow, um, what's the other woman who directed the train episode of Book of Boba? Uh, I forget her name. Um, blanking on oh, her name right uh, now. Green, right? Michelle? Was yes. it Michelle Green? Yeah, Stephanie? Yeah, yeah. Stephanie yeah. Green, yes. yes, yes Stephanie yes. Green. Uh, th- those three could go direct anything they want, as far as I'm concerned. Let them go direct whatever they want to direct. And if that is a Marvel movie, great. If it's a Star Wars movie, great. If it's another coffee shop movie, great. Go direct anything you want to direct. Um, I, you know, I don't know that John Krasinski is going to be Reed Richards in the Fantastic mm. Four movie. So maybe he is, maybe he isn't. Maybe those Illuminati were just a choice that was made and we will not see them again. I don't know. Um, I, I think, I think, you know, I think I'm with everybody else on Twitter. Like if, if Emily Blunt and John Krasinski wanted to be Reed and Sue, I think that would still be a lot of fun. It would be great to see more of Reed than we got to see in Multiverse of Madness. Uh, so that would be cool for me. Um, but yeah, I you know this is Marvel's. You know we were talking about um, uh, with DC and Flashpoint how that was like a big turning point, a big like that's a big movie for them. And even though every Marvel movie is a big movie at this point, um, you know some are bigger than others. You know, if Eternals does great or if Eternals bombs, maybe we see less of the Eternals in the Marvel Universe going forward. If, uh, you know, if if Quantumania isn't as mania as we want it to be, you know, it's like there's there's certain movies that you're like, okay, Fantastic Four, because this is the third bite at the apple, it's the same thing as with the Spider-Man franchise. When they brought Tom Holland into Civil War and kind of put their stake in the ground and said, here's how we're doing Spider-Man. Um, kind of showed everybody that they had it all figured out. That's what Fantastic Four is. Like this is the, it's a huge, it's the it's the first family of superheroes in the Marvel Universe. They're huge characters in the comics. And even though I've seen the original Fantastic Four get a little bit more love on Twitter recently, those movies didn't do great. And the reboot that Fox did certainly didn't do great. And this is Marvel's chance to kind of write that ship and get it right. And so they really, really, really want to get it right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I like the idea. There's a Brad Bird has been floated as well. Peyton Reed, some people have nominated uh, the kind of because he was kind of someone they had looked at uh, in the rumor mill. I even saw Edgar Wright bringing him back into the Marvel fold after they had moved him off of Ant-Man to come in and do Fantastic Four. It would be very interesting as well. I myself am not in the Krasinski Emily Blunt camp. I'm in the Emily Blunt camp. I'm not in the Krasinski camp. Feel like he's kind of moved on. But him as a director of Fantastic Four, I'm definitely in that camp. I would love to see him tackle this. I also would love Bryce Dallas Howard, or as you mentioned, Steph Green or Deborah Chow to step in. That would be great. I'm all in on that uh, possibility for sure. But I think, you know, he had his chance. It was fun. Um, he made a stupid decision as supposedly the most intelligent guy in the world and got destroyed. So, I mean, to me, I don't know if that leaves me feeling confident that I want to see him as well. That's person. not his fault. Well, I'm just saying. Plus, <laughs> I mean, let's just hold on. Hold on. You can't put it at Krasinski's feet let's that he that, that he read the lines on the script. 
I'm just saying the perception is all I'm saying. And I and, and plus he looked old. And I don't I know no offense to John. I want to see someone who's a little bit younger take this role on. Uh and, and but I'd love to see him behind the camera directing it, even writing it. I'd be down with John Krasinski writing it as well. Even but there's rumors Jeremy or they're saying that Jeremy Slater might slide over and help uh, with the two producers from Moon Knight to maybe write this thing. Um, and uh, of course, a lot of people enjoyed or didn't enjoy uh, uh, the overall writing on Moon Knight. So we'll see. But he wrote, originally wrote the Fantastic Four re- reboot that we saw with uh, uh, Miles Teller and what have you, and Jamie Bell. Um, but then only one line of his dialogue, apparently, according to him, made it into the final script and what have you. So maybe his ideas may come back here with uh, his two uh, Moon Knight producers coming on to the project. We shall see. Um, but I, I like the idea of opening the door to new voices coming in to take in. And I totally understand John Watts wanting to step away. Shannon said, like, seven years, those three movies. And, look, he landed with all three of those films. You know, they're 92, 90, and 93% on Rotten Tomatoes. That is incredibly difficult to do, you know, and – with all the stuff he had, and especially Spider-Man No Way Home, once you cross that hurdle, as high as he cleared that hurdle, you want to take a break. You want to go relax somewhere. And, you know, stepping into another franchise to try to redeem that franchise, like people felt when his Tom when Tom Holland showed up as Spider-Man in, uh, in um, Avengers Civil, Civil War, War, yeah, there was this question of, like, do we even want another Spider-Man, right? He had to battle all that to deliver three fantastic movies uh, about Spider-Man. So the idea of walking into yet another franchise where people are like, I don't know if it's going to work or whatever, maybe that's a bit much. And you want to go take a break and enjoy your millions and go cruise the Riviera for a while. And I think Shannon makes an excellent point. And think about what you'd want to do with a new trilogy for Spider-Man, considering all that happened at the end of Spider-Man No Way Home. So go and work on that and, and, and we'll find someone else to take on the fantastic four situation. So I hope they make the right decisions. I like the people that have been bandied about. Um, and I'm very curious because there's also been rumors about bringing Michael B. Jordan back. And I don't know if that's necessarily a smart move as well. Um, but yeah, I'm sorry, Michael, you wanted to say something. I'm just thinking about the Michael B. Jordan of it all. I <laughs> we're, look, I love Michael B. Jordan. Like oh, I oh. think he's amazing, but sure. uh, the Bringing him back to play Johnny, even though he's already Killmonger in the Marvel universe, like uh, I well, he was Killmonger. Well, he was, but like he was, right? Like, he literally existed, and I don't know. It's uh, let's not get too multiverse crazy here, people. I mean, they did it with um, um, uh, Gemma Chan, right? They had her. Yeah, that's a little different. She was under she was under a lot of makeup in Captain Marvel, and she was in the movie for five minutes. I mean, that I don't I don't think that one causes a whole lot of confusion for people. Is it? Well, yeah, never mind. Yeah, right. Isn't Jamin Hansu's playing the same character he plays right later on in the yeah. Guardians? Yeah, so, yeah, so, yeah he's, he's the same guy. But yeah, I think if you put uh, Jimmy Chan's characters next to each other, it'd be like, are these two people the same? No, they are not. <laughs> this one is blue. <laughs> it'll be it'll be interesting. You know, I know I know a lot of people. A lot of people are very excited about Fantastic Four. Sure. And a lot of people kind of poo-poo fan- Fantastic Four, probably because of the movies. Um, but Fantastic Four has that same issue that Superman has in a lot of ways. Like a lot of people are like, I think Fantastic Four is cheesy. I don't, why do we need Fantastic Four? Fantastic Four just seems silly. But like, we all love The Incredibles. And The Incredibles is yeah. Fantastic Four. 
Like it's the, it's, it, Bird, it's the yeah, same vibe. Yeah. Uh, that's why Brad Bird's name comes up because they're Pixar's family of superheroes and the entire tone and vibe is very inspired um, by the Fantastic Four. Violet's powers yeah. are Sue Storm's powers. It's a very unique combination, invisibility and force fields. Yeah. And kind of the same way that Warner Brothers is always struggling with uh, does the world need a Superman? Can you do Superman? Is he too cheesy? Is he too good? And then Marvel came along and cast Chris Evans as Captain America and made him the most Superman version of Captain America of you could and nailed it. So, you know, Fantastic Four done right could be absolutely massive for Marvel. I mean, like, look, yeah. post post uh, Multiverse of Madness. I think we can all agree that they have that they are just printing money with Elizabeth Olsen's name on it at this point. Like Scarlet Witch is huge for the MCU, um, and everyone's excited about Young Avengers. Everyone's excited about other things. Thor is still going strong, but with Spider-Man kind of already having a whole trilogy under his belt, like if you get Fantastic Four right, that becomes like one of your new uh, golden jewels in the in the universe. So do do we bring? I mean, if we go with the older Krasinski and Emily Blunt, you can't discount Chris Evans. You can. Yes, you can. He's why Captain America. Why, why is he recasting everybody? He's, he's no longer Captain America. But he was Captain America. If, if he's from another universe, if they start playing around with a multiverse. <laughs> this is where, by, this, by the way, this is where I've had this conversation too. This is where people start. You can't abuse the multiverse because your audience will turn on you in a hot second. They already They're... abused the multiverse in Multiverse of Madness, bro. What are you well, talking about? We have a spoiler review that yeah. we're doing later that we can discuss that because I have some thoughts for sure. Yeah, I agree. But um, yeah, like you can't. And I think this DC DC is going to run into this problem too. Like DC with Flashpoint, I think you get a we're going to give you a reset button because we can all agree that it's kind of a mess and we want to let you reset things. So we'll give you one bite to kind of like reset the stage. But like with Marvel, it's the same. Like the multiverse is really interesting and really fun and can fall apart really quick and get so confusing that audiences will be like, fuck this shit. I'm not watching it anymore. Yeah. So you got to be real, real careful with it. I think that's why Feige has been working on the next 10 10 years of films because that shit needs to line up. That shit really needs to line up if you're dealing with the multiverse. Um, But the other side of it, I just need the explanation. Like, why do Tom Holland and, and, uh, you know, Andrew Garfield and uh, Tobey Maguire look different as Spider-Man's in their universe, but it's the same looking Doctor Strange, the same character, but the same Mordo. The same I'm sorry. Those are, those are those I'm sorry. Are we doing our Doctor Strange out. spoiler review right now? No, I'm just saying figure this out is all I'm saying. And, and I, Yeah, and I but, be- but before we had a bunch of different Lokis, so... We did, which was great. So what... No, no, no. The who rule before to determine who is the, the who is yeah yeah the rule up until Doctor Strange seemed to be that different multiverses could be different looking people. Doctor Strange kind of tweaked that a little bit. Yeah. I don't think tweaked it to the point where it doesn't even make sense. I think a line sort of explaining. Well, we're gonna now we're just getting into our spoiler. Okay, review. Right. Tune in later for our spoiler review of Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, where we're going to continue this conversation. What do you think this he is? Had, yeah, he yeah. had a ponytail. His gray was hot. These are different people. I, oh my gosh. I do think, though, back to the Fantastic Four of it all, like, <laughs> I don't know, just because that's what we're talking about. Um, I don't know that there's a couple. I mean, there's two ways they can do it, and they've done it both ways in the comics a little bit. But, like, 
I Fantastic Four, and we, everyone has talked about this as soon as Multiverse came up. Reed Richards is absolutely one of the characters that could easily, they could just pop in from another multiverse because yep. it's the Fantastic Four. That is what they do. Like them kind of traversing their universe into ours and kind of being who they are and being like an older Reed Richards, older Sue Storm, totally makes sense. It is equally as likely that we met John Krasinski. He's an older Reed Richards in Doctor Strange in the Multiverse mm -hmm. of Madness. And now we are going to meet a very young guy in the 616 universe, our universe, who is also the Reed Richards, but he's very young and he's just starting out. That they yeah. might reboot them kind of what they did in the Ultimate Universe, which I know a lot of hardcore older uh, Fantastic Four fans don't love, but Reed being like a young prodigy and super, super smart. Uh, it's a little bit of what the Josh Trank version started with before everything went off the rails, but... You know, I think that's equally as valid. So I don't know that we're necessarily going to see a Reed Richards from another multi a multiverse Fantastic Four as much as I think maybe we'll just see a 616 universe Fantastic Four, but we'll see. 616, dog. Yeah, all right. Well, I mean, we'll see. I mean, I, I'm I'm very curious. I, this is such a snake-bitten franchise, but it doesn't mean it can't be saved. Certainly in the Marvel, in, in Feige and Marvel's hands, it can be. But then again, Phase 4 has been a bit uneven, to say the least. And so... Is this the right time? And I wonder if Feige's kind of, I've been sensing this lately, that maybe Feige's kind of hit the limit of things. And so we're seeing now the kind of um, uneven nature of some of these projects and wondering if, you know, it'll be, it'll have the same magic as the previous phases have had. Not that those phases haven't had uneven movies. They certainly have. It's just wondering if this will ultimately land the ship um, in a way that's satisfying for a majority of the fans to going into a phase five. So we it, shall it, it is interesting because, I mean, when you think back to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, we knew they announced from the get go mm -hmm. with Iron Man, mm -hmm. we're going to have we're going to we're going to do a Hulk movie. We're going to do a Thor movie. We're going to do a Captain America movie. We're going to do Avengers. So we kind of knew yeah. that's what it was. And then right at the end of Avengers, there was like it was Thanos. And if you knew anything about Thanos, you were like Infinity Gauntlet. Like and we and they and they started teasing us. And by by the time you got to Dark World with Thor, it was very clear that that's where they're going. So Avengers to Thanos to Infinity Gauntlet was a very, very clear, easy, direct path. Yeah. And that is clearly not where we are right now. Like with the time variance authority and the multiverse and Kang running around and the the Ten Rings being these weird alien artifacts that are doing something that we don't know. And then the Eternals and the Celestials are like pissed about shit. Yeah. Like there is so much going on right now that it does feel a little bit like, you know, I think every movie we're like, did they bite off more than they could chew? Did they bite off more than they could chew? Um, and I think that that's the other reason I'm kind of really hopeful about the Fantastic Four, because that seems like a big enough movie yeah. that they can come out and put a stake in the ground and be like, this is what's going on. Yeah. Like, I think, I think you're right. I think we are kind of getting to the point, like, and I think a lot of the phase four movies are a lot of fun. I'm, I'm really still having a blast with Marvel. I'm having a blast with Marvel TV, but I think we are kind of getting to the point where as an audience, we're like, this is all great. We love it. What's happening. Yeah, yeah exactly. What's going where on? Where are we going? Where are we going? This is, a, this is a great road trip. And I have enjoyed going through this mountain pass and up the river and past the things. Can you tell me where we're going though? Cause this is, <laughs> I want to know the destination. Yeah. Yeah. It was like the military. They used to take you on those runs and they'd say, no, no, we're stopping by that barracks. And then you keep running past the barracks. I thought we were stopping past the barracks. And now you have no idea where you're going. It's a yeah. very unsettling situation. But I'm enjoying the endorphins. I'm enjoying the endorphins. Uh, so we'll see in the end where it leads to. Uh, Shannon, any final words? I mean, uh, does Anya Taylor-Joy have a shot at Sue Storm? I'm just throwing that out there. Any, any, 
ideas uh, i mean if if they go that younger route she would be a very interesting choice if they go with krasinski yeah maybe not it's a little weird it's a little weird <laughs> a little, ew. it's 1980s hollywood i don't think that would work. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah i mean we'll see i mean i like the idea of Anya taylor joy bringing her in i think she'd be a great sue storm considering what happened in new mutant story it'd be a nice way to kind of uh, wash that out of the of the mind for sure but yeah now, a, that, a lot of, now yeah. that you could do you can take a new mutants actor and you can cast them in the Marvel universe and ever that's okay. That I accept. All right. I want Maisie Williams as Jubilee. Um, all right, anyway, or Kitty Pride. Uh Maisie was a good Kitty Pride, I feel like. Um, all right, anyway, let's wrap this up. Thank you all so much for joining us for another fun episode of the Geek Buddies. We appreciate you all hanging out with us and uh, giving us your questions, thoughts, and comments down below. It's always a blast. Shannon, what do we have to tell them? Yeah, if you'd like to follow us on social media, on Twitter, it's at geek underscore buddies, on Instagram at the underscore geek underscore buddies. If you'd like to follow me on social media, on Twitter, it's at Shannon underscore McClung, on Instagram at Shannon the Geek Buddy. If you would like to follow Mr. Vogel, it is at MK Tune. If you would like to follow Mr. Roca, it is at The Roca Says. Mikey? Um, if you enjoyed our chat about the Fantastic Four that started to turn into a Multiverse of Madness chat, <laughs> definitely tune in for our Multiverse of Madness chat, which is coming up later. Uh, it will be clearly... A fun one with a lot of opinions. And if you're enjoying all this and you want to help us, here's what you guys can do. Uh, definitely smash the like button below. Subscribe to Johnny's Outlaw Nation page. Check out all the amazing content there. Leave your comments below. Are you excited for Obi-Wan? What did you think of Hayden and Ewan back together again? What are your thoughts on Avatar 2? What are your thoughts on Ezra Miller? And obviously, what do you want to see in Fantastic Four? Let us know below. If you're listening to us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or anywhere podcasts are available, leave us some stars, leave us some comments. It helps us go up in the rankings. And as always, the best thing that you guys can do is retweet this video, post it on your social, send it to your friends, and tell them to hang out with your buddies, the Geek Buddies. Uh, all right, there we go. Thank you all so much, and we'll talk to you next. Oh, and don't forget, 5 p.m. PT tonight, uh, the spoiler review for uh, Doctor Strange and Multiverse of Madness goes live. Also, big shout-out to Carbon Health, who powers and sponsors everything we do here on the Geek Buddies and the Outlaw Nation. Thank you so much. Don't forget to go to Carbon Health. They've got 100-plus locations all over the country. 50-plus locations alone in California. They offer virtual care. They offer in-person, in-office care. Sometimes day of, you can make an appointment depending on the, their schedule there. Incredible stuff. And if you want to get the virtual care, you can get an app there for Carbon Health. Put it on your phone, and you'll have a doc in your pocket, a dog in your pocket there for any healthcare needs you might uh, need to have addressed by them. So go to CarbonHealth.com, sign up with them right now, and get taken care of. And tell them the Geek Buddies. I can't believe oh. I can't believe we haven't actually made a is that a doc in your pocket or are you just happy to see me joke yet? Mm, why would the doc be in uh, Oh, you mean in your front pocket? Mm, yeah, right. I'm guessing they 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 probably wouldn't love that. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Mike. Well, thanks for sponsoring us, Carmen. We appreciate it. Thanks for all the love you gave us. It was fun while it lasted. Um, and we're gonna get out of here. All right, y'all take care of yourselves. Be well, we'll talk to you next time on a brand new episode from the Geek. Buddies! Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. 
Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.